Yo, before we get this episode going, um, something that I can't believe I didn't touch on, um, especially as a UVA fan, but I would mention it if it were someone from another team. So Tony Bennett gets his 327th win as the UVA head coach. He passes longtime legend Terry Holland, um, who who was at 326 when he was done. He coached from coached for like 15 or 16 years. I think it was 1974 to 1990. Took UVA to two Final Fours and uh, had coached the legendary Ralph Sampson, who won multiple Player of the Year awards. Um, and now you have Tony Bennett, who passes him. And being a humble guy, he he said he, he even said he wishes that Terry Holland could keep the record because he was the one who established everything at at, at UVA as a program. Um, and and he said he there was an on court thing with him. That he said it's not a him award; it goes to everyone that was included with him. Um, and it, and his his dad, Dick Bennett, said that it all starts with can you find the players that are willing to lose together before they win because you're going to go through some rough patches throughout your career and that's what he's built UVA around he's built UVA around multi-year players players with resiliency obviously you need talent like he said but but he built eh, he built it around those qualities um and and just winning going to the final four for the first time since 1984 Winning the national championship, which is the first one in program history, he's just done so much to put UVA as a top ten program in college basketball over the course of the past eight nine years. Um, and so that's just something that you need that we kind of need to start out with before we get to the main episode. Um, but Tony Bennett, he gets three hundred twenty seven. He's done so much for UVA, and me watching him most of his career at UVA as a fan. Um, I just have so much to be thankful for with him, um, and I'm happy UVA hired him over from Washington State. But Tony Bennett gets 327, and I hope they can go even farther this year. You know, yeah. Anyways, enjoy the episode. Hey guys, what is up and welcome back to the show. Now in today's episode, we're going to be talking about a lot of different stuff. First, I would like to start off with the Damar Hamlin whole tragedy thing and that I'm just really excited that he's doing well now. Um, I want to talk about some NFL, the play, this is the last week of the season. Um, you know, in the future, not this episode, but in the future, I kind of want to go back and look at my uh, the pre the preseason predictions I did in like August in the summertime and I want to look at those and see how either right or wrong I was and one thing that I know I was wrong about is I said that the Giants were going to be like 5 and 11 and I know a lot of people maybe said that they would be better than 5 and 11 but I know a lot of people did not expect them to be 9 6 and 1 or 9 7 and 1 and in a playoff spot locked in before the season even ended. Um, but anyways, so we're going to be talking NFL. Um, we're going to be talking, uh, it's really going to be DeMar Hamlin. It's going to be NFL. And really, I mean, what else is there to really talk about? I mean, uh, uh, you know, I, as always, you know, I'm a stupid idiot. But uh, we can, uh, we're going to be doing the national championship as well. Uh, we'll probably go DeMar Hamlin, the playoff scenarios with that. Then we'll go national championship. And then we'll go to 
the other NFL stuff that I wanted to get into and talk about. So we're going to be talking NFL, national championship game, and more coming up on today's show. I hope you enjoy. All right, so let's go. First things first is we're talking about DeMar Hamlin. Um, if you're unaware, which you probably are aware by now, um, last Monday, at, with just under six minutes left in the first quarter, um, DeMar Hamlin, a safety on the Buffalo Bills, he collapsed and went into a cardiac arrest um, after making a tackle on T. Higgins. Um, and so they were able to, on the field, they were able to get his heart back going again, and they went off with him in an ambulance to a hospital. Um, and so... After that, they canceled the game. They they went out there. They decided that they were going to give him a few minutes. They're, they're going to mourn this. They're going to and then they're going to give him a few minutes to reset. They're going to give him a few minutes to continue the game. And so, but then they ultimately decided that they cannot continue the game in this state at the moment. And so then they decided that they're going to call it off. And then they were going to maybe try to schedule it for a later date. But obviously. As you know, they did not schedule it for the later date. It is canceled. Um, And so now it comes into a debacle. The Bills and the Bengals are going to be one less game than everyone else. So, But before we get into that, I just want to address DeMar Hamlin. Obviously, you know, I haven't really said too much about it um, because, I mean, I just haven't. I just didn't really. There's no, you know, we're on a weekly schedule, but I feel like I should have done something. I remember after it happened, I, I gave it a couple of days. I was posting the other shorts on the YouTube, and, and I, I was like, I need to address this, but then I ended up not to for, really, I should have. Um, but now we're doing it here on this Sunday. Um, so I'm just really, really happy that he's okay, and I know that the Bills are going to be playing with him in their hearts because it was just really, really good. You hear it from Josh Allen, you hear it from the other players on the team, that just hearing from him, hearing all the positive things because really the stuff the updates on him have really been nothing but positive which is really really great to see it was he's responding he's still down but he's responding um then his neurological things are going well he facetimes with the team he's talking again all that type of stuff just all positive things which is really you do not want to hope for the worst and in this situation you got the best which is really really good to see and really just in finally in closing, just the whole thing with the charity, how he's gotten over $5 million for that, which is really, really good because his goal was like under $3,000 or something. And people notice that he's in need and he, and they want to show support any way they can. And he and they people give over $5 million, which is really, 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 again, just really good to see. And so just a really happy and good situation. He's not going to be there for the playoffs. Or he might be there not playing, but just really, really good to see that he's good, he's healthy, and, and just everything good. Just something that I need to address. Anyways, now, now that that whole thing's over, uh, at least we hope, um, and he'll be returning soon. But so the playoffs, and now so we got the, the, the um, what do we, I mean, the, the Chiefs locked up the one seed um, last night, and so there was the doubts where if, if the Bills won and the Chiefs lost, they, if they were to meet in the playoffs, they'd have to play at a neutral site game. Um, but that is kind of silenced now that the, the Chiefs really took care of the Raiders really, really easily. 
Um, and so that lingers, any, any lingering doubts uh, are not to be anymore. They get the one seed. Um, and also the the Jaguars have locked up a playoff spot, which is good for them. They haven't made it there since 2017. Um, and Doug Peterson, man, I think that was a really good hire for them. Um, I mean, it's working out for the Eagles, but I was surprised at the time that they fired him. Obviously, it's working out for the Eagles, but now this was a really, really, really good hire for them, especially after the whole Urban Meyer stuff. Um, just terrible. I mean, fired him before the season was over and rightfully fired him before the season was over, which is a good thing. And now you got a really, really good one in Doug Peterson. I feel like obviously shown some success in the past, won the Super Bowl with the Eagles um, and had many good years. Uh, in the in, for the Eagles, lots of playoffs, um, and now they're nine and eight. They're back in the playoffs, um, and they lock up the four seed at least. I mean, I'm pretty sure they're not going to get higher than that, but they lock up the four seed in the playoffs, which gives them a home playoff game in Jacksonville. And so that if they can get to a divisional round, get a 10-win season, that is going to show a lot for their future, um, which is just really, really, really important. And uh, just for the Chiefs, obviously, what I mean. Obviously, before the season, they were one of the front runners for the one seed in the AFC. I feel like for me, it was the Bengals, the Bills, or the Chiefs were going to get that. And obviously, now you see it's the Chiefs that get it, which, I mean, deservingly, they're playing really, really well. I mean, and what what else do you expect from that? I mean, there's nothing more to – I mean, there's nothing they couldn't expect from that. I mean, just <laughs> – I mean – Chiefs, obviously, one of the Premier League teams, the Premier League team, the Premier teams in the AFC, and so now they get the bye, they get they they replace the doubts, and and you know the the whole thing with the Bengals complaining about how they it might come down to a coin flip where the wild card is, like it, that whole coin flip thing, um, which surprisingly it's not on the Bills side. Obviously, the Bills are involved again in a coin flip. Um, anyways, um. Just win. Just beat the. Just beat the Ravens. You know. Just stop complaining about it. It's how it's gonna have to be. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, it, it, these are it's like bad circumstances and why they have to do it. And you know now, you like just win. Just beat. The, just beat the the Ravens, and you don't have to worry about it. So that's all I have to say to that. Because if they lose to the to the to the um the Ravens, it's got to go down to that for the wild card game. But I mean, just just until you play, just if you're gonna complain about it. Just go out and prove that you're gonna win. After you lose, you can't complain about it. If you win, you get the job done, then complain about it. But until you get the job done, you cannot complain about it. Especially in this type of situation, you cannot complain about something like that until you go out there and win. Because for all we know, they could lose. If you lose, you I mean, you shouldn't get punished, you know, like but if if you lose and then you complain, just you should have gotten the job done. That's all I would have to say to that. You should should have got the job done. Um, and if you're unable to get the job done, then sometimes these things are going to happen. So just for the Bengals, just go out there and get the job done. And then you won't have to worry about it at all. I mean, and, and the initial rule, I think the original rule is like they go to winning percentage if something like this happens in case of one less game. But I think the NFL decided that it's kind of flawed at the moment because of the one less game. I mean, they kind of, I mean, it's in the it's the rules, but like, I, I mean, I can kind of see what their reasoning is behind it. But obviously, so Zach Taylor, he said, as far as I'm concerned, we just want the rules to be followed. When a game is canceled, you just turn to winning percentage to clarify everything so we don't have to make up rules. There's several instances this season when a club is fined or people in our, our building are fined and we're being told, follow the rules, it's black and white, it's in the rule book. So now when we point out the rules and you're told we're going to change that, I don't want to hear about fair and equitable when that's the case. So, I mean, I can definitely see what he's saying. 
I mean, both ways. I think there's an argument both ways. You could like the NFL side. I mean, you kind of say that the winning percentage because there's less ga- there's one less game. Like if you're one and zero, you have a 100% winning percentage. But if you're three and one, you have more wins, but you have that loss, so it's a 75% winning percentage. So I, I mean, yes, it's so really. I can definitely see what Zach Taylor's saying. It's in the rule book. It's in the rule book that you just go to winning percentage, which I can understand. But at the same time, I can also see the NFL side of this um, with the whole thing. I can, I can see what the NFL is saying by, or I don't know if they said this, but what I would think is is that it's kind of flawed because of the whole winning percentage thing. Less games equals more of a chance to have a higher winning percentage. So, I mean, I could see it. But again, just win and you're in. That's all you have to focus on if you're the Bengals right now. Because cause even no matter whether you like it or not, whether it's right or not, there's nothing they can do about it. They, they just have to play. They can't complain about it because ultimately it's not going to get changed. I can see what the Bengals and Zach Taylor are saying. I can also see what the NFL is saying. I mean, they should probably just go by the rule book in my opinion, but, you know, there's nothing they can do about it anymore. So they just have to go with it. I mean, so they should stop complaining about it because there's nothing they can do. All right, now, so now we got the Steelers. Win, win against the, I mean, either way. So if they win, they win today and the Patriots lose and the Dolphins lose, it's a playoff spot for the Steelers. If the Steelers lose and the Dolphins lose or the Patriots win, it's a Patriots spot. And it's the same, I think it's the same thing for the Dolphins. So really the Dolphins, they've had big swings this season. They've, they've gone three-game win streaks. They've gone on three-game losing streaks. They've gone on five-game win streaks. They've gone on three-game losing, or five-game losing streaks. Um, so really, uh, now they got to come in. they got to play against the Jets. Great defense, top 10 defense. One of the biggest turnarounds from last year um, from statistical categories. Um, and so they got to come out, and Skylar Thompson is going to have to win this game for them. Um, and if they win, if they win, it cuts the Steelers out. Um, I think if they win, and I, I'm not completely sure of the Dolphins scenarios, but if they win, it makes it a whole lot of a higher chance that they get in. Um, and now, really, for the for the Packers, really, just what a season. Even if they lose, I mean, they well, no, I mean, it's not great if they lose, but if they win, um, I'm pretty sure they're in. Um, that makes them nine and eight after being four and eight. I mean, obviously, you can never really count Aaron Rodgers out, but. In this situation, I mean, you were kind of thinking about counting him out. Um, and so now you put him in this situation, and what do you know? Flo God's going to come through. Um, and so he, if he wins today, I'm pretty sure he's back in the playoffs. And, you know, they're really putting it together now. They're figuring out how to do this. They scored 40-something points last week against the Vikings. Um, and I don't know, I, I think most everyone was starting for the Vikings, and even if they weren't, I mean, there's really no excuse to losing, like, 48-10 to 10 in the NFL. like, 48-17 or something. There's really no excuse to losing that bad. Um, and I'm pretty sure they were. And they and remember, I remember, uh, what's his name, J- Jair Alexander was saying, uh, the first game against Justin Jefferson was a fluke. We're not going to let that happen again. And Justin Jefferson had 15 yards, had 15 receiving yards the whole game. So, you know, I thought it was a little bit uh, big talk for to say something like that, but he came, obviously we know how good Jari Alexander is, but he came through and proved what he said, he proved himself right, so, I mean, the Packers, they're looking really good, so I feel like even if they get in as a 9-8 and team, there really are something to worry about, um, and if we move over now to the, to the, to the Lions, 
if the Lions, I don't know exactly, again, what happens with them, but I feel like the Lions could also be a scarier team. I mean, they're kind of up and down, like they lost to the Panthers by 14. They let the running attack go all over them. They're, that's their biggest flaw. They cannot stop the run. Um, and it's what gave the Panthers such easy time with them. They, they, the Panthers broke their franchise record in rushing yards. They had like 320? I think it was 320. I think it was 320. Um, and so that's a flaw for them. But even then, I'm really happy that they turned it around for 1-6, and six, even if they don't make the playoffs. Because I've said it before how much I like Dan Campbell. I do not want him fired. Um, and, you know, as even as a non-Lions fan, I it would be kind of interesting to see them get back to the playoffs because it's been a long time since they haven't been made the playoffs. I'm complaining about the Panthers having not made the playoffs since 2017. Don't think they've won a, haven't won a playoff game since the Super Bowl year, which is like seven, like like a six to ten year span. Um, these uh, Lions fans have probably been through a lot more. And so just saying, I... Uh, I mean, just imagine being a Lions fan right now. I could not be a Lions fan right now, you know. Um, but just, I th- I mean, I think it's going to be, I think he's the long-term guy for the for the Lions. And even if they go 8-9, and nine, that's one of their better years lately. And so 8-9, and nine, I mean, that's something to, as a fan, if you're a fan of the Lions, it's something to look forward to looking into next year, getting a couple of guys to, to um improve the team and the Lions own the Rams first round pick so if the Rams lose again they're five and 12 that's a top 10 pick for them in their pocket along with their other first round pick assuming they still have it um so really I think the future is bright for the Lions under Dan Campbell win or lose I mean even if they don't make the playoffs um I think it will come in the next year or two um and so really and so also now we got the Panthers my Panthers are eliminated so we don't really need to talk about that anymore the NFC South is clinched for the Buccaneers um it's kind of just a year in review for the NFL. Just how how's the playoffs going? Um, and so, what else? I mean, what else is there to say? I mean, the Bills are already in. They they clinch the number two seed if they win. If they lose and the and the Bengals win, I think the Bengals get the number two seed. But that would be kind of interesting to see um, how that plays out. Um, but that that's a lot. That's a lot there. I mean. Just going back to the Jaguars, I think it's really important for them to get into the playoffs here. And I think Doug Peterson is going to be there for a long time. Um, but actually, let's go back to the Panthers for a minute. I want to talk a little bit about how what do we think is going to go on with them, with the whole Steve Wilkes thing. Should they hire Steve Wilkes personally? I think as a Panthers fan, Steve Wilkes, I think he deserves a chance. I like his ultimate philosophy, as lately our offense hasn't been very good the last few years. And because we haven't found a good, good quarterback. I mean, I think Sam Darnold, the way he played the games that he started this year, he might have the potential to do so. Um, but I like the I like the hold on to the ball. I like the whole steal the or win the possession battle, uh, get it going on the run game. So I wouldn't be surprised if they reinforced in the offseason the O-line a little bit more and got another running back to, to share a backfield because I feel like it's not going to be one dominant runner. It could be Chuba Hubbard one game, Dante Foreman the next game, or someone else that they have. Um, I just don't. I don't. I think I like the style that he plays with. It's just clearly he. If he wins today, he'll be six and six, which a five hundred record is is like better than what we've had. Um, and so, I mean, just I I I think personally he deserves a chance. If not, I w- it would be interesting to see if they reached out to Sean Hart, Sean Payton as well. Um, that because that that that's for anyone who's not in a coaching position at the moment. 
that's a guy that you kind of would want to take a look at because he's, I mean, he's he's had a lot of success with the Saints. It is kind of weird that he dipped when they were bad one year. So, I mean, you wonder about that. But, I mean, just I think that they need, the the whole idea is, is do they have the trust in Steve Wilkes? I personally think you sign him to a shorter-term deal because that was the problem with Matt Rule. Now you got to pay him for years because they can't afford to pay that giant seven-year buyout right now. I mean, just... Why would you move a col- pay a college coach over set? Why would you sign a college coach to a seven-year deal? You have that much faith in him. I mean, even Nick Saban failed in the NFL for the most part. I mean, just you. I I, mean, I just it's just not the great hire. And I think I think Sean or uh, Steve Wilkes. I think he deserves a two-year deal. Uh, it gives him a couple years to figure out because this team it's middle of the league for me right now. I think it's a seven. If it if it. Played to all of its capabilities with under Steve Wilkes. I think it's a seven and ten, eight and nine, maybe even nine and eight team. It's that middle of the pack category, like sixteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth of the league. Um, and so I feel like Steve Wilkes, if if they hire him, he's. I think anyone who goes to Carolina right now is if they're in for a good job, they have an opportunity to really build into a playoff team in just one or two years. Because I just don't think. They're that far off at the moment. They're not a they're far a little far off from a contender, but they're not far off from a playoff team at all. I think that if they could bring everyone back, they improve the offense consistently. I mean, they just need another receiver. I think if they determine Sam Darnold's the long term quarterback, go with that. But I think Steve Wilkes deserves a two year deal. If he's successful, sign him long term because he's been in the Carolina organization for a long time. He was there when the Super Bowl run happened, and so I think he deserves a shot, especially since he's enjoyed a little bit of success here. So that's that's that for Carolina. All right, cool. So now that we've talked about some NFL, let's talk about the national championship game. So it's obviously TCU versus Georgia, and you got and, and TCU comes out with the upset in a game where I thought they legitimately had a chance. I mean, I I didn't think that they were that far off. I mean, did I I didn't necessarily expect them to win, but I didn't think that they were that far off. Um, and so TCU, they come out against Georgia as 12-point underdogs, something like that. It might move down, moved up. Um, but obviously, I would take, as a better, TCU plus 12 because will they win necessarily? We don't know. But I definitely don't think that Georgia's going to win by 12 based off the way TCU's been playing and based off the way Georgia's been playing because Georgia showed some very big holes in what is usually a very, very good defense against Ohio State. And I think that TCU, while I think that they're going to be able to have an opportunity to exploit that a little bit, because I think TCU is a little bit better team than Iowa or Ohio State. So I mean, just I, I I feel like that it's going to be interesting to see what adjustments will be made for uh, uh, Kirby Smartness in his squad on the defensive side of the ball, and uh, how TCU is going to be able to to handle that because really you look at the you remember you look at the season how big of a second half team Georgia is how like the like they come on later in the second half and in the semifinal they did not do that they were not able to do that well at all um they were not able to do a good job of that um I mean they they I mean they only gave up 13 points in the second half but it was still, I mean, they were still losing, and they only won by one point. They only, they only outscored, uh, they they only won by one point. I think it was eighteen to thirteen in the second half. Um, but so really, just a really uncharacteristic game for Georgia. But obviously, they're one of the best teams in the country. The best players 
our best team, best players, best coaches, they always find a way to come through in big oper- big moments, big games, like this was, the college football playoff semifinal. So they always find a way to come through. Um, and so that's just that's what's important because when it comes to the playoff, you're more worried about winning than anything else because – you, I mean, if you if you lose, your season's done. If you win, you celebrate, and then you figure out what you did wrong afterwards. But so, because that's what's most important. You just want to survive and advance. That's what they both did. TCU, they were up the whole time, but they but they were given a late scare. Remember that no targeting call. Um, they, they if that was targeting, there would have been an opportunity for Michigan to get the ball back. And remember, they were down six. They needed a touchdown, but they only needed the extra point. It's like they had to go for two or. Or, or to tie the game or win the game or, or try to win the game or anything like that. They had an opportunity if there was targeting and it wasn't able to come through, and, and that's what helped TCU to move on. Um, so, yeah, like but like I said, I personally think that TCU is better than uh, uh, Ohio State. So I just don't feel like that – I just don't feel like um, Georgia's going to be able to play the same way and expect to win – because I think TCU's, I think TCU had an, a good opportunity against Michigan. I didn't expect them to dominate the way they did, but I expected them to have a good opportunity. I mean, I, I expected. I didn't think Ohio State. I think watching those two games, watching the Ohio State versus Michigan game, and watching the TCU versus Michigan game. I mean, they they just clearly seem Ohio State clearly just doesn't seem as good as as TCU. Um, and so that that's going to be important for the championship game because Georgia's not going to be able to hang on by their th- fingernails. I think that there's big play potential like we like it showed against Michigan. Um, and I don't think that the second half thing will be a factor for TCU. The, the fact that Georgia's a second half team, I don't think that's going to be a factor for TCU because as they showed on the screen, if you were watching it, Michigan was only giving up 5.7 points a game in the second half. Or and they'd only allowed two touchdowns in the last nine games in the second half. Well, uh, TCU said we don't mind that, and they put up fifty-one. I don't remember how exactly it was in the second half, but it was over twenty points. That's for sure. It was way more. It was at least five times the amount of uh, five point seven points. Um, so I don't think the second half thing for Georgia. I don't think that's going to be a problem for TCU. I think that they're going to be able to ignore that. I think that they're going to be able to adjust because Sonny Dykes, as voted by the AP, is one of the best coaches in the country. So I don't think that the whole second half team thing is going to work um, if you're if you're Georgia. So the, I think that the most important thing is who comes out early, who sets the tempo. Because what gave Ohio State a chance at the game is they came out, they scored, they went up seven nothing. They they had they had the lead for a good amount which gave them a big opportunity to win the game. They had it as a last-second field goal opportunity. For TCU, they had the the pick six to start out the game, and that helped them set the tone for them early. Um, they And it really felt like they felt like, okay, that's just early jitters for Michigan. McCarthy and them, they're going to come back. They're going to win the game. They're going to pull away eventually. Like You kind of feel like you've seen that the story before. But uh, it, it wasn't the case, and so I feel like they set the tone early, it kind of put it in Michigan's head, and it helped them stay ahead for a while in the whole entire game. It, it, I feel like whoever comes out sets the tone early because what's going to be important for Georgia, they're going to need to be right there in it because in the second half, the whole, they're, they're not going to be able to rely on the fact that they're a second-half team. Um, and, and I feel like Stetson Bennett, I, I, I feel like he's good, but he's not, he's not as good 
as I feel like everyone says he is. I mean, I'm not sure why he was included in the Heisman finalist. I think he can go to. I think he could play next level, but I don't see why he was a Heisman finalist. And so you just wonder. You just wonder. I mean, obviously he's a great leader. He's won the championship last year. He's very, very good. But you just wonder with that. Um, and you know, so also with. I mean, just what's it going to come down to? It's going to come down to who sets the tone early, like I mentioned. Who's going to get that first touchdown? Who's going to get that first big play? Who's going to get that 70-yard touchdown grab? Who's going to come out early and win and get get that first punch in? Um, and now, when it comes to over to the second half, it's going to rely on who will Georgia prove that they're a second-half team and win there, or will TCU decide that... Uh, like like Ohio State did, that they're going to make sure that they stay in it in the second half, uh, despite how good Georgia is in the second half. Um, so those are really the two main things that's going to come down to. And so if, from a betting standpoint, if you're going if you're going the, the, the spread, clearly hit hit uh, TCU. I mean, I heard, hold on, let me let me look at the let me look this up. So uh, you got all right. So TCU, uh, obviously, uh, here, hold up. So uh, 730. Um, minus 13 for Georgia. Minus 13 for Georgia. That is too large for me. I think there's going to be a lot of points, again, like there was in the semifinal games. Um, But it's not going to be a 13-point game. It's not going to be a 13-point game either way. It's definitely not going to be a 13-point game in Georgia's favor. So I think I think this game is going to be a lot closer than some people might believe. Um, So... Uh, just it's just gonna come down to uh, will George who's gonna set the tone early? If that's TCU, it's either way. I feel like that it showed it in the semifinals with the both with Ohio State and TCU. Um, like that gave them a big chance to win. Um, it's whoever sets the tone early because I feel like while it's a it might be it's a better Georgia team than Michigan. Um, and there's some more experienced guys. It's not gonna rattle them as much. And they they have the experience from last year. Um, just whoever sets the tone early first is gonna probably be the team that comes out on top. And um, really, most importantly for TCU, um, they're gonna need the big plays. They're gonna need the big plays because the G- Georgia defense is too good for them to be able to lack the big play because they had it in the semifinal. They had like a 76-yard screen pass touchdown, another one like a short route screen pass type thing touchdown. Um, and so that's going to be very important. So really, who do I think is going to win this game? Um, I think I got to go with the upset here because Georgia did not look like Georgia in the semifinal game. Obviously, they're going to make adjustments. They're not going to give up that many points again. But I feel like TCU just – I feel like they kind of have what it takes. You know what I mean? So I, I feel like I feel like they have – they, they – they, I, I mean, it's it's kind of hard to explain. I just feel like they, the way they played against Michigan in a game they weren't supposed to win versus a game where Georgia was supposed to win it relatively easily, I just don't think that if Georgia pulls that same performance, they're going to be able to win. So, And I feel like there's going to be points. So I'm going to go with, let's go 38-35. It might come down to a last-minute kick. I'm going to go 38-35 TCU. But this all depends on will will TCU get their big plays Will TCU arrive in the second half and keep up there with Georgia, even if they're winning in the first half? And um, will they set the tone first? Will they get that seven nothing lead? That's what's going to be most important for them. But obviously, Georgia could we could win. I wouldn't be surprised if they did get their second back to back national championship. Um, it's just a really really good game. I, I'm totally looking forward to it.
Alright guys, thank you so much for listening to that episode. I wish I could put a little bit more in there, but uh, due to time constraints, that's what I'm going to have to leave it as. Uh, let me know. Uh, so, sub- I hope you consider subscribing. Go over to YouTube, at All Eyes on Sports, um, and consider subscribing there. Um, uh, it's going to be the same thing, uh, same All Eyes on Sports. Follow me on Twitter, at uh, All Eyes on Sports. Um, and I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Go to anchor.fm slash all eyes on sports. If you want to leave me a voice message, you want to, um, you want to leave feedback, you want a question, you want me to talk about something, that type of thing. Um, but anyways, uh, I'm Preston Green, uh, if you're new here and I hope you consider subscribing and I really hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, see you next week.